You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums. You must hear before you die. This episode, we'll be talking about Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. On the line, I have Rob. Yes, sir. Ben. Hello. And John. Hey. Blood on the Tracks is the 15th studio album by American singer-songwriter Bob Dylan, released on January 20th, 1975 on Columbia Records. The producer was Bob Dylan, and the genre is folk rock. And I'm going to read from all music reviews, Stephen Thomas Irvine. Falling on the heels of an album where he repudiated his past with his great greatest backing band, Blood on the Tracks finds Bob Dylan in a way retreating to the past, recording a largely quiet acoustic-based album, but this is hardly nostalgia. This is the sound of an artist returning to his strengths, what feels most familiar as he accepts a traumatic situation, namely the breakdown of his marriage. This is an album alternatingly bitter, sorrow, regretful, and peaceful. Easily the closest he has ever come to wearing his emotions on his sleeve. That's not to say that it's an explicitly confessional record, since many of the songs are riddles of allegories, yet the warmth of the music makes it feel that way. The original version of the album was even quieter. First takes of Idiot Wind and Tangled Up in Blue, available on Bootleg Series Volumes 1-3, through are hushed and quiet. But Blood on the Tracks remains an intimate, revealing affair since these harsher takes let his anger surface the way his sadness does elsewhere. As such, it's an affecting, unbearably poignant record, not because it's a glimpse into his soul, but because the songs are remarkably clear-eyed and sentimental, lovely and melodic at once. And in a way, it's best that he was backed with studio musicians here since the professional understanding backing lets the songs and emotions stand at the forefront. Dylan made albums more influential than this, but he never made one better. All right, what do we think of Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan? If I'm being honest with you, and I know that I should be, I like an angsty, divorcee (laughs) Bob Dylan (laughs) in my ears a whole lot. And I'm angry at him for denying exactly what he was going through and and saying that this isn't autobiographical because it absolutely fucking is. And he's a liar. (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, he was always an allegory doesn't make it not autobiographical. Yeah. Yeah. No, this this is this is my favorite Bob Dylan thus far. I I fucking love this record. (laughs) It's nice to have Uncle Robert back. It feels like it's been a minute. I don't know if we've covered him since like the mid '60s, but it's good to have him back. And and this I knew Blood on the Tracks was supposed to be a good Dylan record, but I was never a big Dylan fan. This was my first listen, and yeah, I I like angsty 
going through a divorce, Dylan, as well. Yeah, Ben, you and I both were kind of like dragging on, I, I would call it, because I'm a little drunk, lippiness of uh, of Bob Dylan's like earlier works where it's like, I'm going to fit as many turns of phrases as humanly possible into a stanza. And he doesn't do that here. Like, no. In, in, but it's still as clever as he's ever been. It's just more concise. Um, a little bit b- more biting, I think. The uh, idiot, idiot wind is a fucking <laughs> just brutal, <laughs> savage, savage song. I can't believe you remembered how to breathe. Like it's like it's harsh, man. But yeah, yeah it, but as we were talking about earlier, the um, like the comparisons to uh, the Neil Young uh, "Tonight's a Night" lo-fi-ness and this one's lo-fi-ness as well. Like where it, he went through a couple iterations of bands did jumped around to a couple of different studios and then had to do re-recordings to get, to get this sound. Um, oh. But it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's a hodgepodge. Like it sounds like a, a concise uh, like thought, I guess, or at least like a, a vision. Yeah. He started out in the uh, New York, right? My, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah in New, New York, York. Right in Minneapolis. Yeah. And he he recorded the entire thing, and I think that yeah, it, it was a bit more. He thought, "I'll go back to my roots. I'll go back to acoustic. It's just going to be bare bones. Everything's going to be stripped down. We're going to have this sort of emotional Dylan back." And he had skipped uh, his. He was on the Asylum label, uh, but he came back to Columbia for this one because he knew it would be probably something a little more interesting. He wanted the. He wanted the bankroll. He wanted the studio, the everything that kind of came with a bigger name like Columbia. But his brother, he goes home for Christmas. He hands out, you know, he kind of plays the test pressing for his brother, David. And then his I think his brother kind of convinced him, you know, it sounds real stark, you know, go. But he was also in the Minneapolis music scene so he could grab a couple of these session guys so he got the session guys come in and it kind of clicked there which is awesome you know that that makes it so that he has this intimate side at the same time he has the electric you know the the other backing band side it's not all one or it's not all one way it's both ways so. I haven't heard the uh, the original New York City versions of, of the five tracks on this album that were re-recorded, but I, I know which tracks were re-recorded in Minneapolis, and I I like like the full band versions of the I think like you know I can't speak from experience because like I said I haven't heard the other ones, but uh, I definitely think it was a good decision to re like like tangled up in blue idiot wind uh lily rosemary and the jack of hearts uh specifically those three songs just having a full band on a few numbers like that on those kind of more tentpole songs on this record was i think that was good uh sounds i think it's a great choice yeah fellas i i I don't i don't mean to interrupt y'all um but we're listening to you're a big girl right now can you tell me what the fuck is happening in your right ear it's out of time and stupid. And I don't know who's responsible on guitar, but it's an atrocity that's happening in my right ear right now. There's a, and I don't, a few wrong notes on that uh, guitar lead on your big girl now as well. It's not only just wrong notes, it's it's out of time. 
and it stuck in. And I, I don't know if it was, this is a stereo panning situation where if it was just like in the mono setting, it would have sounded different. I don't think people were really doing mono records in 75, so I don't fucking know. But it's just, it's so loud and out of time. It's it's like, like D- Dylan's perspective. He was following all those cubists, no, you know, at this time. Circle, man. You're just listening to a multidimensional song, like multiple dimensions. That's you know, right. You got yesterday, today, and tomorrow all right here in this room, man. That's right. So I'm in the bed, and I'm also looking at myself in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Is this the album where he actually thought? No, no, sorry. No, is it? This is he, before what, recording what, what this album. He was taking like, painting courses, and that's right. Uh, Son of a yeah, bitch. He, he got interested in like cubism. And, yeah, cubist art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is that album. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> fucked with my idea of time, you know. <laughs> it's it is interesting though. I mean, for as kind of silly as it sounds, the Tangled Up in Blue has some wonderful lyrics that present a time. that he said about tingled up and blue took 10 years to live and two years to write i, I like tingled up and blue i also i love the recording of tangled up and blue i, I think the i had to look up who who played drums on it also i just thought it was very it, it was just tasty in the pocket brush drums almost like you know he's coming off his tour with the band but it's almost like levon helm style mm-hmm. turns out it was this dude from minneapolis <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good Minneapolis players that I think just ended up, like, not making a name for themselves and ended up playing, like, with Garrison Keeler and shit. But, you know, like, they're, they're solid players. Some good mandolin here and there, you know? They didn't make a name for themselves, but but yeah, they played with Garrison Keeler. Oh, yeah, well, the big name, right? <laughs> <laughs> Studio, stadiums. <laughs> oh, Lake Wabagong. <laughs> Where all the women are gigantic and the men are pretty. <laughs> How come I can't uh, rent a movie based on Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts? I would watch that movie. I think they're working on it. <laughs> they are I really working on it. They are. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that, it, 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 there's a heist. There's a love story. There's murder. Yeah, I think like... the the guy who did uh, Call Me by Your Name, I think, is working on it. All right. That director. <laughs> Maybe the guy that did Shalimar should work on it. Hell yeah. It is the heist movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> amazing. I mean, but they're actually working on it though. Uh, I yeah. I, I think I read that. Are you yeah. shitting me? No, I think I read that. There's been, I think there's it's either been two, that or tangled up in blue, something. Two, two screenplays of that specific song were written, but never really put into anything. And then I think overall the album is being put into some form of, screenplay by the well, guy that, who that's fine and all but i want to i want to i want a cool western heist movie about the jack of hearts I, I i got way into that song this week i i i 
I bought into that story. I want to know. Maybe you should up. finish it. This. Let's let's no, see that's that. That's not for me. Dylan yeah. fanfic. <laughs> like so, I'm assuming that it was that Rosemary killed Big Jim when he busted into the room, right? That's the the general consensus. Okay. Did Question Rosemary mark. have a thing for the Jack of Hearts, or did, was she just over the 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 philandering of Big Jim? She was over the the philandering and being treated as a as a piece of property by Big Jim, and also the Jack of the Hearts sort of just kind of caught got in the middle. It's just you know, he just it's a song. Gazed man, it, it, right, it, yeah. he was very fortunate to be doing a heist in the middle of that love triangle. Yeah, <laughs> well, fortunate or unfortunate. I mean, I guess it's fortunate in that Big Jim got killed. He, but. Well, it's like by the end of the song, you know, the safe is gone from the bank, and the Jack of Hearts is nowhere to be seen. I'm doubting he killed and buried himself i'm pretty sure he's down the river with that safe yeah he got away clean yeah yeah dylan yeah. knows how to write a heist <laughs> dude dylan heist hashtag dylan heist <laughs> maybe that hobo <laughs> dude, that, uh, that, that's who the jack of hearts is <laughs> hey birch yeah what's your preferred uh dylan is is this in the pantheon of preferred Dillion, there's a Dillion. Yeah. Dillion. <laughs> yeah, I think this is absolutely what people consider early Dylan, even though he's already done John Wesley Harding and he's done Waves albums. And, albums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, the, it was funny. How was, many albums can you have in the early part of your career? Well, 15, apparently 15. <laughs> trust me. I was, I was thinking about that today when I was, you know, reading through and, then then we think about Stevie Wonder when we get to Stevie Wonder's like, we're like, oh, yeah, this is early Stevie Wonder. It's like Stevie Wonder's 26th album or something. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it's it's still I mean, he's had such a long career at this point that it still feels like it's an earlier album. It feels from, like it's from the 60s. You know, the phrase that I always heard being born in the early 80s and growing up listening to the radio and reading music reviews on Bob Dylan albums, I, you'd always hear the best ones since Blood on the Tracks. Yeah, 100%. This is, I think this is the last, what would you say? Classic Dylan? Classic. There you go. Which I probably wouldn't disagree with. Especially this one, like he's he's going for that throwback sound. Even like it sound, even though it's his fifteenth album, like it it's, it sounds like classic Dylan. It, it, sonically, he he's he's going back sonically, you know. Yeah, just imagine every uh, again. Imagine everything else that we've been covering recently. This doesn't sound anything like Shalimar, psychedelic, <laughs> or hard rock, or you know. Any of those other experiments which he had done previously, this sounds like legitimately like he never he he did Blonde on Blonde or something or Highway sixty one and then he did this album. So, what's your favorite track, Birch? God, Tangled Up in Blue is pretty great, but it uh, Idiot Wind I I sing all the time. <laughs> to, to whom? <laughs> To myself, pretty much. Uh, I did every time you move your teeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did read. Uh, I was reading about it, and uh, I 
I noted that, uh, of course, David Crosby, Graham Nash, Stephen Stills are on the <laughs> album. Just pulled up in the, what, what did they drive? Oh, That's, a Nissan Maxima. Yeah, they just, <laughs> they just jumped out and they're on the album again. But Stills uh, wasn't that impressed. And when he when Dylan left the room after kind of playing a few of his songs, Stills was like, he's a good songwriter, but he's no musician, which kind of that's such a Stephen Stills fucking thing to say, man. Yeah, I, I was like, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And that that really dives into what do you think a musician is? Do you think it's someone who's very technically proficient in is like in with a a group or can you also accept that there is like an artist that maybe isn't as great at playing but has melodies that come out you know it's it's that whole dilemma well you know what i think about steven stills i i I think he's a pretty decent guitar player (laughs) (laughs) you know like he's always he's the he's the backing he's the guitar on all the like the the crosby stills and nash tracks he's He's a he's a musician, uh, and he writes songs, but he's not necessarily the most heavyweight songwriter. You know, yeah. he's written some classics, but it, it's it, him saying that it's just such a Stephen Stills thing to I say. Know. Oh, that fucking guy! <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> uh, Christgau also. I don't know if anybody read the Christgau review, but it was pretty uh, amazing. I, I read the Christgau. I read that Christgau got a copy of the early yep. uh, version. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Okay. So yeah, we'll go for that? it. Go for it. He said a sellout to the memory of Dylan's pre-electric period. <laughs> and he, I love that bitch. <laughs> he, <laughs> he also kind of, uh, I think uh, Dylan received that news as well. I think he I think a couple people uh, really kind of instilled in him like, why are you doing why do you feel the need to go all the way back to this sort of a uh, acoustic uh, period? And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad he at least took that uh, those notes. Absolutely. No, I, I, I don't think I would have enjoyed this nearly as much had it just been him with an acoustic guitar in the microphone or the uh, harmonica around his neck. Yeah. Uh stomping this shit out yeah i still think dylan going electric is like one of the best things that happened it's It's so so amazing how how that uh i guess non-receiving folk people were i I don't i don't really get it i i I just like the idea of really angry yeah Yeah. (laughs) like that 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 cracks me up like anyone anyone bitching about like him plugging in as being a sellout. Like I just want to line them all up and just slap them all in the face as I walk down the line. Like, cause I mean, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, oh. But you can, you can cover a lot of harsh medicine with a good backed up, amped up organ. I mean, if idiot wind didn't have that backing organ, it would be so much more emotionally difficult to listen to. It would be too stark. Yeah. It's, it's a solid album, you know, like the, and like Rob said, bullshit, Dylan, you're lying. If you say this isn't about you, (laughs) like it's a hundred percent about all the feelings you'd probably feel after a 10 year marriage falling apart because of an affair you had, you know, and like, and being a shitty, like, uh, 
grumpy, vindictive person on some of the songs and then saying, okay, well, you know, I'm still going to carry that love with me where I go, even though you're gone. And then like all of it, it's, it's all in there. You hear Jacob Dylan's quote about listening to this album. It just sounds like his parents talking. Oh, Jacob Dylan. Yeah. Never been this close before. Never been so easy or so slow. I've been shooting in the dark too long. When something's not right, it's wrong. You're gonna make me loads when you go. Dragon clouds so high above, I've only known careless love. It always has hit me from below. But this time round, it's more correct. Right on target, so direct. You're gonna make me loads when you go. Purple clover, queen and lace, crimson hair across your face. When he was in New York, I guess a lot of the studio musicians were like, he he wasn't really, he was a little despondent. Like he didn't really care that much about the recording or getting perfect takes. He had been drinking a lot of wine. He was kind of sloppy. And I think, I think it really did help him, you know, going home for Christmas, having his brother sort of like work it out and sort of getting his head on straight to to present like this album to, to present, to, to create something that was not just a throwback it, to be something uh, a, a bit different than he had done before. Be more interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that he took the advice of his brother and the uh, reviews of his peers and uh, the reviews of Christ Gow seriously. Cause yeah, th- this album could have been, not nearly as interesting. So his brother uh, was a David Zimmerman. Yeah. Yep. So is he the dad from the kids in the hall sketch? Yes. Yes, that's oh, correct. Okay. He would be the dad. Oh, yeah. Is it the state? Yeah. Cause you're Doug or I'm Doug and you're dad. <laughs> I'm Doug. <laughs> your dad, David Zimmerman, David Zimmerman. So it's Doug Zimmerman. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, you mean Uncle Robert? <laughs> yeah, like it, it'd be David's son, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless it's uh, his other other brother. Uh, yeah, unless it's like his uh, father's wife's brother. <laughs> How many sibs did old Dilly have? That's a good question. <laughs> Google old Dilly sibs. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Google old Dilly sibs. You won't like what you find. <laughs> <laughs> your computer crashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of these songs have been going, have gone on to just be classics covered numerous times. I mean, this yeah, album did quite well. Number um, one, baby. Yeah. Uh, and the reception it was, I mean, it's like through the roof. Every even even on these classic albums, sometimes you'll look at the critical reception and there'll be you know like ones like a four point five out of five or something like this. This one is all aces. Every single person gave this five stars, five out of five, ten out of ten, A plus. So Christ so. liked the the revamped. Oh yeah, he loved it. Yeah. Yeah, he called it uh the most mature and assured record. Cool. So yeah. Man, can you imagine growing up at a point in time where artists could make art and <laughs> then they would be paid human dollars and given like the, uh, 
the attention of the Billboard Top 100 where they would re- receive a number one for their hard work. But it would actually be art on on the uh, on happened. I, thought I fucking can't. About it sometimes, and and then I wake up and uh, and I just go to work. Motherfucker, <laughs> there there was a there was actually a point in time where that happened. I know, right? Are you saying there's not artists anymore? I don't understand what you're trying to get at. Well, I, 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 I'm saying that Uncle Robert put out a great record, and he received the accolades and laurels well deserved for putting out such a great record. And that at one point in time, the American populace was like, "Fuck yeah, cool!" <laughs> and because they were, they had something in their brain that was like, "I'm just, I'm gonna grab onto it, and I'm going to listen to this, and it's going to mean something." Oh my goodness, there's poetry and art involved in this, and then it's just number one, like a thing that deserved accolades became important. Like this was like, compare this to the dictators from like, you know, a few weeks back, this was simultaneous with that. And even though I would prefer to listen to the dictators, like this thing that was getting all of them, all of the attention and the money from the humans and getting the airplay is not a bad thing. And you can't say that for, I don't know if you can say that for any other fucking period in time in like American like music. I don't think we can say that at all going forward. That's not true. Because it only gets worse. No, that's not true. Not in my opinion. All right. Well, allow me to drink more and yell more about it. (laughs) Well, I think, I think Robbie's bringing up a, a, a mathematical point that this is only double platinum and stained went six times platinum. And well, the they were issues, on the outside and looking in, right? Uh, it's been a while. Oh, uh, but also, I mean, you've got you've got math against you. There, there were many more persons on Earth between 1970 and now. I mean, yeah. there's like seven and a half billion people now, and in 1975, there were only you know five billion. So a bigger percentage of them would need to buy the record for it to go platinum. Exactly. Well, or overall sales, yeah. You, you people make me sick. <laughs> How do you feel about this record? I fucking love it, Birch. I, I'm I'm so happy to be like really into a to get as much out of a Bob Dylan record as I thought I probably should have when he first popped up. Like th- this is the first one that like really resonated with me. The, the Nashville one I think I enjoyed, but not nearly as much as like what's happening on this one. Yeah. Just needed a bad marriage. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just needed someone's life to dissolve yeah. over a, a horrible decision he made yeah. in order for me to enjoy his work. Uh, I'm not a Dylan fan per se, but you can't front on his poetry and you can't front on this album. He made the right choices to punch up the songs to make them digestible and they're really fun and really great to listen to overall. They don't put you in a particular place or time per se, but they give you a lot of emotions that almost every human's experienced. And that's kind of what you want. So I'm going to go positive. I like this record a lot. Uh, I've been wondering what, what uncle Robert had been up to uh, for the later part of the sixties and the earlier part of the seventies. I still don't know what he's been up to, but I know what he's up to now and, uh, or not now, but in 1975, I like this record. And uh, I, I, I want uh, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of hearts to be an episode of, of Deadwood. I don't know. I, I can't talk. I've been drinking, but I like this record a lot. 
<laughs> I like that you're getting on my level now when you don't have to drive home. <laughs> and, and it's, it's good for for ears and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, I'm. You know, I was uh, sorry for interrupting you, Birch. No uh, I was actually discussing with Sheila earlier. Like, I don't know if it what's going to happen if every time past two weeks it's been consistent. Like, everyone loves a record for the most part. And, like, I don't know what's going to happen to this podcast if there's not just, like, anger at a record being involved. If it just all ends up being, like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, yeah, this is great. It's a time for recorded music. Mid-70s? It's is- true. Uh, I, can, I can assure you, there's. I've looked ahead, and there's going to definitely be a couple albums <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> okay, I think good. we should be shocked when there's not something that we're completely over the moon with, though. I mean... Even though this it's was a, a very th- good week, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say that we will get "Time Out of Mind" by Bob Dylan later, and "Live 1966." Apparently, Wait. what? Which Wait, is we're going back in time for the live record? I guess so, because it was released later. I don't know about that. I don't. Cool. I, I guess we'll have to <laughs> argue about that when we get to. Uh, I'm to- I'm on the positive. This is a great album. Um, just has really good writing, really good songs. The players are great. It, it it feels comfortable. It feels like a like a standout Bob Dylan for sure. Uh, some of the best writing I think he he's done. I'm just I'm glad drunk. we got. Yeah, All right. Well, <laughs> All right. Next time we'll be talking about Patty Smith horses. Oh, right, thanks, y'all. Buckets of rain, buckets of tears Got all them buckets coming out of my ears Buckets of moonbeams in my hand You got all the love, honey, baby, I can stand